Hey, good morning, everyone. Take, just take a deep breath. Just, can you smell it? Spring is in the air. Can we just thank the Lord for spring? Isn't it just, yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> Kathleen and my wife were just saying, just like two, three weeks ago, we were cross-country skiing in our backyard, and now we've got the pool open, and we're going swimming today. So it's just, I'd love, it's just, it's just good. Uh, we've been doing a series looking at the stories of Jesus, the parables of Jesus, and what we've come to discover is that um, about a third of Jesus' teachings were in the form of parables. And we know that uh, Jesus used these stories to help us understand a heavenly concept. So what we've come to understand is, is basically a parable is an earthly illustration or a story with a heavenly meaning. A parable literally means something that is cast alongside something else. So what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at a story today where Jesus says the kingdom of God is worth seeking and it's worth seeking with everything we have and how important the kingdom of God in our lives and in our world today, how it changes everything. And so he uses the story of people seeking out valuable things and giving up everything they have to find this valuable thing. And that's what we're going to look at today. Now, I don't know about some of you, but growing up, we had a metal detector. How many of you have or had a metal detector? This is a judgment-free zone. So if you're embarrassed, it's okay. We, we all have one. Good. Now, one person raised their hand in the back, and then another person was kind of like, uh, yeah. but that's okay. We, we, we'd have one. And remember going to the beaches, and you'd, you'd see people walking around like the guys with the nylon socks up to here and their sandals walking around in their Speedo, and you want to just poke your eyes up. But anyways... Um, kind of like this, right? On the beach and they're looking for people that drop their stuff or coins or whatever and, and it's kind of neat. We've, we found some pretty pretty cool things um, with the metal uh, detectors and so I wanted to kind of get your image on this. This is what it's like. This is the story that Jesus is, is talking about. Um, back in the summertime, Kathleen and I were uh, walking around our street and we were looking at uh, a build, a new build, and they were kind of doing the excavation work and doing the prep work for the site work and I, I found something in the dirt and I picked it up. I said, oh, this is this is interesting. I looked at it and it was it was a, a, a glass top with some writing on it. So it looked like it was like an old um, mason jar. And so I looked at the writing, I went home, I looked it up and um, come to find out, very, very collectible. It was over a hundred years old. You're not gonna believe how much this was worth. Take a guess, $5,000 for this piece. I'm lying. I'm lying. It wasn't. $27 on eBay. Any bids? I'll start bidding right now. I'll take 25 for this beautiful piece of glass, Mason. But so I kept it. And, and uh, so I, 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 listen, I get into the shows that look for like sunken treasures and look for valuable things. Kathleen thinks I'm crazy because she always tells me, she goes, Barden, you're watching the show again. You know what happens. They go out, they look for this sunken Spanish ship from the 1700s, right? And there's going to be a billion dollars they're supposed to find. Then you get to the end of the show. And do they ever find it? No, they never find it. But it's, it's, it's the hunt, right? It's like, they might find it in this episode. They just, they just, smile. how many are like me? You, you like those shows, right? Or, or, you know, I like American Pickers where they just, like, how many have heard of a barn find, right? They, they find a valuable, like, car 
or motorcycle and it's been sitting in this barn for 60 years no one it hasn't seen daylight it's got dust all over it and they come in and like they know when they find this barn find in fact um i did some reading on this and someone found a, a shelby um it was uh a daytona uh shelby uh from i think 1964 it was so valuable when it was new it was like five thousand dollars and now it's worth millions of dollars and somebody found it in a barn you know so I, I love those shows where you just find something here's here's the point of Jesus' parable those that go seeking for something very valuable give up everything give up everything to get it and so i want to look at matthew chapter 13 and these this parable is um is short it's just two small stories juxtaposed together but I want you to get the implications of what this means for you and I today because Jesus is telling us how imperative the kingdom of God is for us today and how we need to seek it. So let's look at Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through, through, six, for 44 through 46. And Jesus says this, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to, go, to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. And what we see in these two short stories is Jesus is teaching us that the kingdom of heaven is of the highest worth and it's priceless. So knowing its great value, one would give everything to obtain it. So this is the point, this is the meaning that Jesus is trying to bring across. So, so let me break these two stories down for you because we need to understand the background in order to have this correct understanding of the value of this story and how imperative it is for us here today. So in the first story, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. So the listeners at that time would understand what Jesus is talking about. For us here today, we're like, okay, what, what, what kind of treasure? Is it just something invaluable? No, this is a very valuable thing. That's why this person who finds it does everything to obtain this treasure. So we need to understand that people didn't keep their monies in banks like they do today. If you had something valuable, what you would do is you would bury it and then mark the place so that you could find it again. It was like your great-grandparents you know, used to hide all their money in their mattress, right? I'm not going to put it in a bank. I'm going to hide it in my mattress until the house burns down, right? Then you have nothing. So, you know, this is how they did it. And, and, and there's a reason for this. And, and, you know, this is, they hid it, they marked it, and then they knew that um, they could find it later. This is like, you know, these great barn finds too. See, in ancient times, they would bury their treasures for safety reasons because they didn't want other people to get it. Palestine was a very volatile area. Those living there knew war was always a possibility and consistently on the horizon. So that's why they buried it because they didn't want looters to come and easily steal their valuables. So they would bury it. So this man, what he's doing, he's, he's most likely, he's, he's in the field um, maybe he's working the field or he's plowing the field, but he finds a treasure. And then what he does is he buries it again. 
Now, the man's actions would be very common. Now, if you're reading the story or listening to it, you might be thinking, this is kind of unethical in a way. Why wouldn't this man who's, who's farming this field, he's not the owner of it, why wouldn't he tell the owner that, hey, I found this valuable treasure in your field? It sounds a little shady. It sounds a little unethical. So he finds a treasure and then he, he buries it again, and then he does everything he can to buy and purchase the land that he found the treasure on. Now, this is not the point of the parable, but let me show you why this isn't unethical. Let me explain it to you. Rabbinic Jewish law said that if a person finds scattered fruit, scattered fruit, find apple on the ground, it's yours, right? If you find scattered fruit, it's yours. Or money, it, and it, it belongs to the one who finds it. So here we have the written law. The J- a Jewish person listening to the story would not have any issue with what this man did. So we under, understanding the culture, someone understanding the culture wouldn't have an issue with this. So here's another point. If the owner of the field owned the treasure, he would have dug up the treasure before selling the land. So the treasure didn't belong to him It belonged to someone else who probably forgot about it. So it didn't belong to the owner. So the man who uncovered it was well within Jewish law. He does the right thing by buying the land because he could have easily just have taken the treasure and headed off to Mexico. So he doesn't do that. He does everything right, everything within the law. So what's Jesus' point here? Well, Jesus is making the point that the man sells everything to buy this piece of property and he does it with joy. He does it with joy because it was worth it all to give all he had to purchase this land because he knew what it would reveal. He knew that the treasure was there and it would change his life. The story of the pearl is interesting too. A little bit different, but having the same meaning. Jesus says there's this merchant and it's like one who's trying to find a treasure in a barn. He's trying to find this barn treasure, the 1964 Shelby Cobra. He's trying to find this, 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 you know, the Holy Grail. He's trying to find this barn treasure. See, the merchant didn't stumble onto something. He diligently looked for this elusive pearl. Now, I want you to notice why Jesus uses the pearl as his example. Pearls at the time were one of the most valuable gems. In fact, Egyptians would worship the pearl because of its priceless value. So Jesus, you know, remember Jesus saying, he says, don't cast your pearls before what? The swine. It's a contrast between something priceless and something considered unclean. You know, you could put pearls on a pig and put lipstick on it and it's not going to know the difference, right? It doesn't, it doesn't get it. It doesn't appreciate the value of the pearl. And so a smart investor, this is what's interesting about these two parables, a smart investor wants to diversify their investments, not putting everything into one egg, not putting everything into one investment because if they put all their money there and that investment goes belly up, then they lose everything. But in these two stories, in fact, it's just the opposite. They sell everything to purchase the field and the pearl of great price. They lay everything down because for them, it was worth it. So here's what Jesus is wanting us to see. Jesus wants us to see that the kingdom of God is far greater 
and worth much more than anything here on earth. And our pursuit of God's kingdom should mean everything to us. It should take the highest priority. And, and I don't know for some of you, maybe when you started following Christ and you made your decision to seek the kingdom of God and you heard the call of God in your life and you began to make a, a you get, began to make a declaration of faith to want to follow Christ, there were some priority changes that needed to change in, in your life, wasn't there? And I can remember when I was, you know, just turning 16 years old and, and I became a follower of Jesus Christ in high school. I was on the swim team. I was a swimmer since I was seven years old. I went through AAU and then I began to swim in high school and it was in my sophomore year. And I remember um, swimming was everything to me. That's what I did. I, I, loved, I loved it. I loved to swim. And I had the same coach for so many years and he was a really good swim coach. And I remember... <laughs> when I came to Christ, I had this decision that all of a sudden I started losing this desire to swim. I just, I, I, didn't, I didn't have the desire I had before to want to keep swimming and it was because of following Christ. I just had a different priority and I remember just being in a quandary of what to do. Should I, should I stay in swimming? I remember talking to my, my coach, he says, Barton, you're a sophomore, you're doing really well. Uh, this could impact your college years. There could be some scholarship implications here, and you're on the right track. Keep going. Keep doing well. And so, but, but that pursuit wasn't there. I just lost the desire. Now, having a pursuit to want to do well in sports or to get a scholarship, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. And I believe a great example of that is Tim Tebow, who pursued his pursuits in college and, and allowed the kingdom of God to be exemplified in his life in the way he witnesses his relationship to Jesus, to the world. And even when things didn't necessarily work out for Tim Tebow, that wasn't his identity. His identity was Jesus Christ. And what a great example that he has shown about what it means to be a follower of Christ in, 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 in very difficult situations. And so I had this quandary of what, what, what I was going to do. And I thank God my parents supported my decision. So I went to go talk to my coach. And my coach, I remember sitting down in the office and, and I said, Coach, I, I got to talk to you. And I, I, go, I just, I, I don't, and I told him I became a follower of Jesus. And, and I said, my desire to swim is just not there anymore. And he's known me since I was a kid. And he's like, Barton, are you sure about this? I mean, here, he tried to convince me, look at what you have. You know, you've, you've got these possibilities before you that are really good and it's a bright future. And I said, I totally get that, Coach. And, and I appreciate all you've done for me. But, but I had this calling that I felt like I, I felt like God was calling me into the ministry. And so it was, it was a quandary for me. And I remember my parents supported me. And I remember my junior year, I always think back, did I make the right decision? Did I make the right decision? And looking back now, I have no regrets. I have no regrets. And, and I know that's the decision that the Lord wanted me to, to, to walk in. And so from there, I pursued the ministry and went to a Christian college and, and pursued ministerial studies. And, and I, I appreciate the support that my parents gave to me d during that time. But it was a hard... It's, listen, when we begin to pursue God's kingdom, there's going to be some priority shifts in your life. That, that the things that we maybe are enamored with kind of lose its luster. And I think, I think what Jesus is trying to tell us in these two short little parables is what are your pursuits? The most joyous thing that will bring you the great joy is when you pursue the kingdom of God and you begin to prioritize the kingdom of God above everything else. I thank the Lord that my parents prioritized church for us. When we were living in the house, I said, listen, before I was a Christian, I said, 
um, Barton, we're going to go to church every Sunday. And when my dad became a follower of Jesus when I was in, in junior high, and then eventually my mom came to the Lord, they prioritized church. So every Sunday we, we went to church. That was a priority for us. Now, did I like that? No. <laughs> not, not, not as, I wasn't a follower of Jesus. I didn't like it. But, but I'm glad that they put me in that position to hear God. And that they lived that example before me of what was important to them. And so what they did is they, they lived out their testimony of Jesus Christ at home as much as they did in church. And I, I appreciated that they exemplified that before me. Now, that's not a guarantee. Listen, parents, that's not a guarantee that your kids are going to you know, serve Christ. That's not a, a guarantee that everything's going to work out perfectly for you. But here, let me encourage you, parents. You live that example before them. You prioritize the kingdom of God before them and never stop praying for them. Never give up. But you live that example before them of what's important to you. And if, and if I look back, listen, you know, my, my parents aren't perfect by any of the means of the imagination. No, they're, they're pretty good. They're good parents. But looking back, I can tell you what was priority in their life. I saw them reading their Bibles. They prayed for us. They did all they could to put us in an atmosphere where we could hear God to the point to where they bribed my twin sister and I to go to youth group for the first time. Now, I don't want to recommend that for everybody, okay? I'm just saying, you know, kids don't use that if you're watching online, but it, it, it worked for us. My, my sister is a pastor's wife today, so it seemed to turn out all right. But don't, don't, I wouldn't suggest that. But the thing I appreciated is that I could, when I look back, I could see that the kingdom of God was the thing that they sought above everything else. And that's what's so important, parents. So don't, listen, we live in a day and age where, where man, our attention is so pulled, isn't it? And, 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 and we think for our kids, like, oh, well, if we only do this, we put them here. And it's just so, it, it can get so just distracting. But I would tell you, parents, do all you can to be that example before your kids of your priority, of what's most important in your life. See, if we're not careful, we can easily settle, can't we? If, if, we're, if, we're, if we're not prioritizing our lives to say these are the most important things in our lives, then we can easily settle. And I, I like this quote by C.S. Lewis because it's so convicting. It, it doesn't make me feel good. It doesn't make, give me spiritual doodads. But it's a good quote, and it, it, it needs to be said. And, I, and I've shared this quote before. And it's addressed in the weight of glory. Um, C.S. Lewis says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong. Which means sometimes we settle. Sometimes we settle when we're pursuing God's kingdom and our relationship with Jesus. We tend to settle. He said, we would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures. Now that doesn't make me feel good. Come on, C.S. Lewis, that doesn't make me feel good. Right? But it's true. He goes, we're half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink, and sex, and ambition, when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slums because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday or a vacation at sea. We are far too easily pleased. And what Jesus is saying about this parable, he's saying, 
when, when they find this treasure, when, when they gave up everything for it, there was great joy with it because it was worth it for them. And I think sometimes we compromise in our lives because we think, well, this thing will bring me joy or if I do this pursuit, it's going to bring me joy. It's not that our pursuits or our things that we enjoy doing are necessarily wrong, but are they just misplaced priorities? Are we thinking that those things are going to give us the ultimate joy that we're looking for? And Jesus is telling us, no, when you pursue God's kingdom with your whole heart, when you're seeking my word, when you're laying your life down before me, you're going to find that joy you're looking for and you're not going to find it in the world. I love Job's description of those who seek wisdom in their lives and what God looks for in a seeker of him. He's not looking for us to all be perfect. If that were the case, we'd all be miserable failures, right? But what he's looking for are those who are earnestly seeking him to find their fulfillment in him. Listen to what Job says in Job 28, what God's word says to us. It says, but do people know where to find wisdom? Where can they find understanding? No one knows where to find it, for it's not found among the living. It's not here, says the oceans, nor is it here, says the seas. It cannot be bought with gold. It cannot be purchased with silver. And then verse 23, it says, God alone understands the way to wisdom. He knows where it can be found. For he looks throughout the whole earth and sees everything under heaven. And this is what he says to all humanity. To fear the Lord is true wisdom. To forsake evil is real understanding. You see, the kingdom of God is not something that we buy. It cannot be bought. It's something that we seek. It's something that is sought. I want you to notice the man who bought the field gave all he had and the merchant, but once they found the great pearl of great price, and they found the treasure, and they bought the land, they stopped looking. They stopped looking. And I think sometimes the reason why we are not satisfied with the Lord is because we're looking in all the wrong places. We're not truly seeking Him. We're looking for things to fill our hearts with His joy. I want you to understand something. Jesus left heaven, that perfect place, gave up everything, including his life, to seek you and I. He knew that we were lost. And it wasn't because we're perfect, because we're all messed up, because of sin, right? We're alienated from God because of our sin. But Jesus gave up everything to seek and save that which was lost. And he did it with joy. In fact, the scriptures tell us that when Jesus looked at the cross and the suffering that was before him, he looked at it with joy because he knew what it would mean for you and I when we would receive him and finally figure out what we were looking for. And that's why Jesus gave up everything. It was worth it for him because he knew when we would find him as our savior, he would fulfill everything in our life that we've been looking for. And we can't find it in this world. So that's exactly what Christ does for us. He satisfies all our longing. And so I necessarily wasn't looking for seeking God when I was growing up. We went to church, but I wasn't necessarily seeking it. But I'm thankful. I'm thankful 
that I was placed in a position where I could hear from God. And I could see the example before me of how important the kingdom of God is and how important it is to prioritize our lives. 39 years I follow Christ, and I'm thankful for the people who have helped me to find God's kingdom. My, my question to you is this. Are we as passionate about seeking God's kingdom like these two men were, about seeking the, the treasure and buying the, the, the field and seeking that, that pearl of great price? Are we as passionate about seeking the Lord as we are about the other things in our lives? And can I just be brutally honest with you? The things that you are most passionate about, about will be the things that you prioritize. It, it, it just will. I can, you know, just look at your life. Say, here are the things. You, you, you can't say, well, this is what I see is important. It's how I'm living my life that shows what I see is most important. I'm going to be completely honest with you. As a pastor, Pastor Brandon, I've talked, pastor Brandon and I have talked about this a lot. This past year has been brutal as a pastor and leading a church because there are so many things that have vied for our attention in this world. So many things that have polarized us. And it wasn't just COVID, it was just everything else that's gone along with it has polarized us. And my prayer for you and my prayer for our church is that we wouldn't lose sight of the kingdom of God and why we exist as a church. The reason why we exist as a church is to show the world who Jesus is do we realize that church isn't here in, in the four walls of our, right? This is great. We come together. We sing. We worship. We hear God's word. This is, this is wonderful. But how many of us know that the way the kingdom of God is understood and seen is that the way we live it out in our world and how we influence those around us? And are we really different? Are, are we different what are the things are we seeking in our life? That's why the word of God has to be something that's paramount in our hearts and our lives, that we're reading God's word, that we're seeking God's word, that we see church as a priority in our lives, that coming together as a church is so important. The fellowship of the church is so important because how many know this world screams at us and it can pull us into a million different directions if we're not careful? And my prayer for our church is that we would stay firm and stay fast on the gospel message and the purpose that we are to make disciples to preach the gospel. To baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And that's our priority as a church. So my question for you is, are your passions and the things that you really see as important do they override your passion for Christ and knowing his word and seeking his kingdom and allowing his kingdom to be seen in this world? The purpose of the church is to influence the world around us so they can see who Christ Jesus is, not, not our political stance. not the, And listen, all these other things, they, it's not they're not important. It's like, what is the most important thing? What is the most important thing for your life? What is the most important thing for the church of Jesus Christ? And that's our testimony for Jesus Christ to this world. Because at the end of the day, all that other stuff really doesn't matter. And we need to ask ourselves, at the end of the day, how is this affecting the kingdom of God 
and the growth of the church in our world today? That's what we need to ask ourselves. I was, um, I got an email from, uh, from someone who has been watching online. Somehow they stumbled onto Living Word online services and uh, they've been watching online from Michigan. And uh, he just really says, Pastor, I've never been to church in my whole life. I don't know nothing about church, but I've really enjoyed uh, listening to you and watching church online. And I don't know much about God, but I'm, I'm, I'm watching and I'm, I'm learning. Amen? See, listen. Yeah, praise God for that. Amen. That's good stuff. Yeah. Um, I was at a graveside funeral on the coldest day of the year, um, so that was cold. And um, I had three people come up to me at that graveside and said, Pastor, we have never been to your church. I go, that doesn't make me feel good. What, what? I thought they were going to say something, and the reason why is because, no. They said, we've never been to your church, but we're watching online, and we've really enjoyed it. And then the one gentleman that said to me, his wife said, well, we need to show up to church. And I'm like, yeah, come on, we, we'd love to have you. We have no idea how our influence is changing, our influence for Christ is changing those around us. People watch you. They see the way you react to certain things. This is where we need to ask ourselves, what is the thing that people are seeing in my life? What is is the most important thing that people should be seeing in my life? life so that's why Jesus do all we can to seek the kingdom of God I love Proverbs 8 17 it says I love all those who love me those who search will surely find me will surely find me so this is what I want to just we just close today are there some things in your life that you need to reprioritize are there some things in your life you're like, Pastor, I'm just, I'm hurting and there are just, I feel like I'm going in a million directions or you feel like you're going nowhere fast in a hurry. Have you ever felt that way? And, and you just feel, you just, and, and I would just allow yourself to reprioritize what, what things have gone by the wayside. What things maybe you used to do that you're not, some spiritual disciplines in your life that you used to do that have just kind of gone by the wayside. Um, Those are things. Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. See, the very thing that Jesus tells us is, are you seeking me? Are you seeking my kingdom? Then all these things will be added. That's where the joy comes in. That's where the security comes in when we seek him first. So that is my... Just my prayer for you is, 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 is there, does there need to be some changes in your life to say, God, yeah, I haven't set your word as a priority. I'm not reading your word. I've, I've kind of lacked that. My prayer life has definitely waned. Church attendance, whatever, all that stuff has just kind of waned. And I've allowed these other things, which, which may not be bad things, but you have allowed other things to take precedence over the very thing that God desires for us to seek and to know him and to allow him to be known to others. So I wanna, what I want to do is I wanted to close by us just um, going through the Lord's Prayer together and saying it together as, as, a, as a church. And um, 
I love the Lord's prayers because the Lord's prayer because the, the disciples says, Jesus, how how are we to pray? And he he said, pray like this. And what does he say? He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Everything is pointed towards God and our priority in him. Not my kingdom, but your kingdom. What are we doing to allow God's kingdom to be first and foremost in our life? Are we seeking him through his word? Are we asking for his, to to pray in, in, in a way that's saying, God, I want your will to be done in my life, not my will, whatever that might be. I want your will to be done, God. I want your will to be done in my family's life. I want your will to be done in our church's life, the life of our church. Are we praying that way? So I want us just to, just to say that together as a, as a congregation, okay? So let's just, let's just say it together. Are you ready? One, two, three. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And everybody said, amen, amen. Can we thank God for his word today? He's so good. Amen. Amen. I want to pray for you today. And, and I just want to pray that, that you would have the boldness, that God would give you the boldness to maybe make some changes in your life. Just listen. Sometimes it's just the small changes in our lives that make the biggest impact. It's the small little changes that make the biggest impact in our life. So maybe that's simply like saying, hey, Dad, are you praying with your kids? Maybe it's like, I started the essential reading plan. I was good for the first five days, and then I just got <laughs> right? Maybe it's just starting small and just and digging into God's word every day. Husband and wives, maybe it's like, you know, we, I can't remember the last time we prayed together. Listen, 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 listen. It's the little things. It's the small rudder that moves the big ship. Start small. Maybe it's like we need to reprioritize church. We, we've kind of really kind of slacked off and we really we we need to make this priority in our family allow the kingdom of God to come into your situation bring it in seek it with all your heart do what you've got to do to make the changes let's have the same passion as these two men they did everything because they knew it meant everything May God give us that same desires. Jesus gave everything for you and I and our desire flows from our gratitude for what Jesus did for us. We were lost, dying, and sent to an eternity without God if it wasn't for Jesus. And so let's seek his kingdom and let's allow his kingdom to be made known. Let's not stray from that church. Let's not be diverted from that message. But it starts with all of us as the body of Christ individually to make that a priority in our lives. Amen. Let's seek his kingdom. Amen. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Jesus, that you have done everything for us. You gave up everything. You gave your life. You became a sacrifice for us that we would know God and that we would be made right before God. 
you brought your kingdom here to earth. You showed us the way back home. And I pray, God, for every person here today that, God, we would make sure that we haven't lost our way, that if we need to reprioritize things in our life, if we need to um, allow you to, to change some things in our lives that, that, that we have just ignored, that you would do that in our heart because the joy comes in serving you, not this world. Listen, there are good things and good pursuits in this world, and that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but if those things become ultimate things, then they become idols in our lives and they distract us from knowing you and your kingdom. So God, I pray that you would help us individually and help us as a church not to lose our priority of seeking your kingdom first and allowing Jesus to be known and to be made known around us and the people that we come in contact with. Thank you, Jesus, for the message that you give each and every one of us of healing, of hope, of reconciliation, of forgiveness. We're so grateful for that message. We love you. We thank you. And we ask for your kingdom to come. In Jesus' name.